Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hey loves, welcome back to the show. I haven't done a solo episode for quite some time and let me just prepare you, this one is going to pack the punches. So if you identify as a learning and growth addict like me, you're probably going to love it. If you don't identify as a high achiever or you don't like your advice served straight up and very directly, this episode is probably going to piss you off somewhat. So you have been warned. And let's get stuck in. So we're going to be talking about firstly, why high achievers are hardwired to brackets eventually succeed in love. We're going to talk about the 10 times rule that massively accelerates your results in romance. And finally, a proven three-phase strategy that gets high achievers remarkable relationships. So yeah, all about high achievers, female leaders, anyone who identifies as being someone who has, you know, a propensity to get shit done. Uh, If you got straight A's at school or like me, you were ever described as a bit of a boffin. I like to think I was a cool boffin, but I was described as a boffin by certain friends. Fair enough. You're probably going to resonate with this. So why high achievers are hardwired to eventually succeed in love. So for better or worse, I have always been obsessed with the idea of success, success across the board, success in every area of my life. Um, Some ways I was quite embarrassed by this and like it was like a bit of a guilty obsession. Um, But yeah, it's always just been something I've been fascinated by and people who were successful and why and how they were successful. I've always been very, very driven since I was young. I remember whenever I was like studying for an exam, my whole bedroom would be covered in like post-it notes and diagrams. And, you know, there'd be a lot of those highlighters and sticky thingies. And it was, I looked crazy. Let's be honest. I looked absolutely crazy. Um, And, you know, it had its perks. I got the one of the top marks in the country for my English literature, GCSE, which again might sound quite impressive. But the thing is, for me, there was a very real reason as to why I was so obsessed with achieving and being the best and being number one at things. I talk a lot about this a lot in my book, Love is Coming, this obsession with needing to be the best in uh, different areas in my life. So for me, it was a lot about escapism and it was about validation. If you know my story, you know I grew up, my parents struggled with addiction. And uh, I discovered through a lot of research and therapy and all sorts of stuff later that it can be um, quite normal to the way to deal with it is essentially work addiction. Think about Absolutely Fabulous, that TV show. Uh, The daughter, Safi, she is like the absolute opposite of her mother and just like studies really, really hard. So, yeah, I've always been interested in in getting that sense of validation and feeling like I was good enough by through achievements. Um, And yeah, escaping from the difficult emotions I was experiencing at home as well. But what I've also been really fascinated by over the years is how in in ways you can be like super successful in one area of your life, whilst at the same time feeling like a massive failure in another area. So as I was saying, I got, you know, the top mark in English literature, um, GCSE. However, one of, I think I got, we like five of us got 
full marks, basically. Um, and this happened when my dad was in rehab. And so I, I can see that, you know, had my dad not been and, that, you know, who knows if I would have got the same marks. I, I know it was a bit of a cry for attention. But at the same time as all that was going on, I was completely addicted to cheating. And my love life was a fucking disaster, quite frankly. Um, and it was interesting as well, because years later, like I guess a, more or less a decade later after my GCSEs, I got a master's in my Euro European classical acting at drama school. And then two weeks later, I was working as a hostess in a strip club where I was sexually assaulted. And then that caused me to go and put on two stone in two months when I was in an acting job in Shanghai. And so again, you know, I was on the outside, it looked like I was achieving these things, but uh, my relationship with myself was getting increasingly destructive, increasingly destructive, um, as was my love life. And it all just kind of fell to shit, to be honest, very soon after that. I would be like, I was always one of those people who would work myself to the absolute bone to get results if I cared about it. If I didn't care about something, I wasn't, you know, at school, I was never bothered by hockey, for example. Didn't give a shit if I was good at that or not. And so, um, yeah, it was crap and I didn't try. But if it was something I cared about, you know, I worked to the absolute bone and, um, you know, crazy, crazy hours. However, I then went on to get like a, a, a different perspective on the concept of success. Um, when my mum and dad got sober when I was around 16. So what I witnessed with them is, you know, both of them were actually high achievers. They'd come from very humble beginnings and they met in Amsterdam and they were like just this very rock star, cool couple. Uh, and when they got pregnant with my sister, my my uh, my dad actually got into property. They came back to London from Amsterdam. My dad got into property and he did very, very well in that. Like he just had the knack for it. And eventually, you know, from working in estate agents, eventually like went and bought his own estate agents. It was the eighties. You could do things like that then. Um, and then, yeah, like it was very, very up and down, but there has been definitely over the years, over the decades, despite like a lot of stress around finances um, with my family, like I've definitely seen there's been an up, upward tra trajectory. And this really started kicking in when my parents got sober and they started using all that ad addictive energy that they'd, you know, once been reserved for their for their addiction towards improving their life and healing themselves. Um, and, and then the success that happened in work uh, as a result as well. So my dad actually wrote something to me while he was in rehab that really, really blew me away. I'm going to read it in a moment. It sh I share it in um, mine and my friend's first book, The Inner Fix. So it's out there anyway. But it made me, when I read that, when I was doing my GCSE, start to think about success in a different way. Although it took me a long time, like well over a decade to start actually implementing what he was saying. Okay. So... I'm going to get really emotional. I can't believe I'm reading this, but it is related. It is it is about success, I promise you. So I'm just going to do an abbreviated version. I'm not going to read all of it, but he said, I'm, um, I'm so sorry if me being in here when you were trying to concentrate on your exams is distracting you. However, I'm do oh, getting really emotional. I'm doing well and working hard to make myself better. I love you so much. You are my shining star. If you keep to your path, you will achieve great things. In here, they teach us that this is a program of action and nothing will change unless we take action. You do take action and things happen. You being strong and revising hard is one of the very positive things in my life. And I'm so proud to have a daughter who is not only intelligent, but a talented actor and singer. Um, 
(laughs) fuck it I'll read this bit as well if you're not too busy maybe you could write to me so when do the exams start you are so determined to succeed I will always be there to support you in whatever you choose to do Coming in here was so good for me because it has given me time to reflect on all the good things I have in my life today. I was so caught up in the pursuit of more, I could not see and appreciate what I already had. Uh, Just keep being you, Paj, you put a lot into your life, so you will get a lot out of it. Uh, I love you so much, I can feel your strength helping me get well, love always, Dada. (laughs) God, it's so emotional. There's a bit in there that I actually completely forgot about. So he talks about taking action, which we're going to come back to. That is actually very relevant to today's podcast episode. But what I wanted to say that that really resonated for me was where he talks about, um, I don't know, where the hell is it? Uh, Yeah, giving being in rehab was a chance for him to reflect on all the good things that he had in his life. I was so caught up in the pursuit of more, I could not see and appreciate what I already had. And I was like, whoa, 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 do I understand that? Fucking hell. Uh, I think that a a really big connection I've always had with my dad is, yeah, he is so driven and it was, you know, ultimately for his family. But I definitely saw how that pursuit of more, and yes, it was for his family, but he got really lost in it and he didn't realise, but actually what my family need and what they really want is just my presence and me being here, you know, that's enough. And yeah, so that's that's been something that's really given me a, a completely different perspective. And what it is, it's about being grateful for where we are in our life right now and also really excited and driven and focused to grow and expand in a way that is going to benefit us, but also the people around us and even the world. So this was very much how I approached my own love life uh, after my dark night of the soul, which was sort of 2011 to 2012, after a big breakup. That's what that book, The Inner Fix, is about. And, you know, I really started to use all of that addictive energy that I've been channeling towards my sex and love addiction, towards healing myself from the inside out, as I had observed my parents doing. And, you know, I've over the last few years, um, I've been on a very similar healing journey around my work addiction, as this is something I've been talking about. And I've had so many messages from women who identify like me as being a high achiever and that drive to like need to be the best and the comparison and the jealousy of, of friends or, or peers who are achieving more than us, all of that shit. But but the positive thing that I am grateful for, being someone who does identify as, as having work addiction and, you know, if you want to improve an area of your life, you can leverage that high achiever energy to learn and grow in the area of your life that you want to improve. Um, But we need to do it in a healthy way. And I'm going to go into that more shortly. So that's why, you know, why are hardwired, why are high achievers hardwired to eventually succeed in love? Well, because you understand that it is about taking action. You understand that you need to show up and you need to take action. Um, and the goal is to to do it in a way that doesn't leave you worse off than when you started. But that really is what I did. Like, that's really what I did. And that's how I shifted my life. Um, my love life so fast, actually, was because I had that, like, I, re- I took responsibility. It's what I'm trying to fucking say. I took responsibility and I stopped blaming everyone else for my love life not being the way I wanted it to. And I and I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to show up differently. And lo and behold, things change really, really fast when you do that. And this is something else that I think most high achievers understand. If you want results, 
knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. I mean, listen, there's so much free content out there. This is free content and you might get some insights and it might be useful, but it's not going to, let's be honest, it's not going to change your life unless you actually act on it and you go and do something really um, significant. And I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. It is about implementation. It is about implementation. So let's move on to the next segment on that note, the 10 times rule that massively accelerates your results in romance. So I came across a book recently, you may or may not be familiar with it. It's called The 10 Times Rule, The Only Difference Between Failure and Success. It's by New York Times bestselling author Grant Cadone. Cadone? Cadone? Don't know how you say it. Now, let me just be honest, right? This obviously caught my eye because it's fucking big, bold promise there and uh, really quite direct. And I quite like that, as I said at the beginning of this episode. However, it is a very, very, very direct masculine approach and take what you like and leave the rest, okay? And I'm going to say that for the rest of this podcast episode. Take what you like and leave the rest. There is some really useful stuff in there that I'm going to be sharing today. But it's also, I think it's purposefully, um, what's the word, like disruptive and confrontational. Uh, and again, I quite like that. Not everyone does, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because yeah, some of what I'm going to share, you're probably like, fuck no, but I quite like it. <laughs> I quite like the directness. So I'm going to share three basic concepts from the book and then how they link uh, to your love life, to dramatically improving your love life fast. Okay. So essentially what the 10 times rule is, is you must set target. This is what, uh, I want to call him Gary, but it's not as Grant. <laughs> It's not Gary at all. Uh, you, must, you must set targets for yourself that are actually 10 times more than what you think you want. And then, we don't stop there, you've got to take 10 times the action you think is required to get there. So I, when I first heard that, I was like, I mean, already what I desire is quite big and bold. <laughs> like, I don't know if I need to actually 10 times it. Usually I'm like, I probably need to halve it. But I get the concept. So I want you immediately to think of your love life and what you desire for it. And then I want you to just think, what would the 10x version of that be? What would the 10x version of your desire for your love life be? We're going to come back into that a bit more shortly. I'm just going to let that ruminate a little bit while I go into some of the uh, the key sort of ideas and concepts he talks about in the book. So there's three sort of main ones that jumped out for me. And the first one is lowballing yourself. This is what we tend to do when it comes to goal setting in any area of our lives. So, So Grant basically says that your thoughts and actions are the reason you are where you are right now. And I definitely agree. Agree, and and he also says the biggest mistake most people make in life is not setting goals high enough. So what I want you to think is, if I've set a goal and it's going to be difficult to achieve, then I might as well set a higher goal because it's I like any goal we set is going to be hard. But if you set a goal higher, that is this the, the thing that's coming up for me is I think it's from Mary Poppins the Musical, but I could be wrong. You might know. Let me know if you do. Um, if you reach for the heavens, you get the stars thrown in. So reach for the highest, highest possible thing. And even if you don't hit that, you're still going to do better than if you'd set your standards really low. 
And again, we're going to come back to that shortly in terms of relationships and romance. But it is about having higher standards for yourself, higher standards for the kind of quality partner you desire, for how you expect to be treated, for the behavior you will and won't put up with. There is something about people who sort of know their value and worth and know what they desire and what they want and what isn't what isn't acceptable to them. They do emit a kind of energy and a kind of confidence. They don't need to say a thing. And this is not about being an arsehole and going around there and just being like having impossible standards and yeah, being ridiculous. But it is about it comes back to knowing your worth and knowing that you deserve the very best that life has to offer, particularly when it comes to romantic relationships, which are such a huge, 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 um, have such a huge impact on our general state of happiness. So why do we allow ourselves to tolerate bullshit? You know, it took me a long time to to raise my standards in romance. And I really hope that whenever, you know, wherever you're at in the stage of, of up-leveling your love life, maybe you're right at the beginning, maybe you've been doing working on it for years. I really hope that you do know that you were worth being treated exceptionally well, not just okay, not just as an option. If you're dealing with people blowing hot and cold with you, fuck that. Fuck that. Like, why would why would you accept that? Why did I accept it? Because I didn't feel like I deserved more. So it always comes back to the basics of how much do we love ourselves? How much do we value ourselves? How worthy do we feel? And most importantly, something that often gets left out of the equation, how much do we respect ourselves? How much do we respect ourselves? Because if you're allowing someone to cheat on you, to dick you about, to keep you as an option, you don't respect yourself. So how would you show up in your love life if you were someone who respected yourself significantly? Another little question for you to mull over. So the next thing he talks about is self-responsibility and victimhood, which I fucking love this conversation. Oh, I love playing the victim too. But I've got so much better at catching myself when I do it and just cutting that bullshit immediately. So what he says, what Grant says is those who use blame as a reason for not achieving success will never be successful. Victim thinking doesn't benefit you. <laughs> it's true. Like, as as like there's there's a real sort of sadomasochistic pleasure in blaming other people for why you are not where you are in whatever area of life. I know I find it really quite enjoyable. Um, I've got, well, it's not even my saying. I don't know where I heard it, probably in a 12-step room once, but, you know, shit stinks, but it's warm. That's why we do it. That's why we like to sit in this negativity, blame, uh, comparison, like all of these really like gnarly, sticky, uncomfortable um, emotions on the one hand, but also really very satiating on the other. He also says, if you're willing to take credit when you win, then you have to be willing to take responsibility when you lose. Oh, that was hard hitting for me. That was really hard hitting for me. So yeah, just owning up when you fuck up, owning up to your mistakes, owning up when you backslide, you know, say you made huge progress in an area of your life. And then you, you know, you're human, you have a human moment. And like me, you know, for example, this is, this is like relatively trivial, but Last year, I was uh, training for my wedding. So I was getting into like really good shape. Obviously, I don't have the wedding anymore. So whilst I still work out and mostly look after my body, I've definitely not been quite as on it. And it's really easy to kind of go into like, just fall into the victimness around like, oh, all the chocolate was just so delicious. It fucking was last night. I ate so many of those M&S chocolate cornflake cluster things, so good. But ultimately, you know, again, trivial, but 
just just own it just own it yeah I fucking just wanted the deliciousness and um and that's okay and I also now I'm in the place where I kind of want to get back to feeling really strong and feeling uh in like really great physical shape for summer possibly not quite the level of my wedding but who don't necessarily need to anyway that I've completely digressed there but you get the point it's just just fucking own it just fucking own it like it's and and this is same in relationships like I have always been the most stubborn person in the world so fucking stubborn and last night um Joe my husband was in like a really foul mood because he was feeling really ill and he doesn't tend to get grumbly and like and not like he doesn't really get like that I do much more um but yeah he just got a bit narky at me and you like that sort of thing in the past I would have stormed off I would have taken my dinner into the bedroom and like watched Netflix in there and all that shit and I would have dragged it out and I just was like I, I can't be asked like let just make a joke of it and change the subject which is what he's very good at doing when I get like that um so it's it's again it's I've gone I've digressed again but the point is it just makes me think of that expression do you want to be right or do you want to be happy like own the shit and move on with your fucking life. <laughs> so, you know, for me, when I was in my love life and I was really working on upgrading that and I um, went back to, you know, I had a night where I had a one night stand or something. This was like relatively early on. And that was a really, you know, I'd put a boundary down for myself. Like I don't do that anymore. It never leaves me feeling good. And it's like, I can sit there and lick my wounds and, you know, whatever and beat myself up over this. Or I can just accept it and go, right, I'm officially done with that now. I, I went to do it just it doesn't even have the same it doesn't even give me the high that it used to so I'm just I'm not available for that anymore and I just drew a line under it and that really was the last time um so if you are as I'm speaking and you're like shit yeah I've done this thing recently or like you know I've got an old client who used to just ring the guy she was dating when they were out or like he was out somewhere else and he wasn't picking up and she would just ring and ring like literally crazy amount of times um, I think it was actually her most, it was like 137, maybe even more than that, 187 in one sitting, which is really some commitment. But, you know, whatever your thing is, you know, we all have our own, you know, little guilty whatever thing that we do in our love life. If you've done that recently and you're beating yourself up for it, just decide to, to not do that anymore and just like draw a line under it. Be like, I'm not available for beating myself up, but also for that behavior anymore. I'm just done with it. I'm moving on with my life. Nobody is going to save you or make you successful as Grant does. Like we got to be our own Prince Charming. We'll be our own Prince Charming, babes. Uh, and he also says success is like a garden. You must constantly tend to it and care for it. So again, this comes back to the, the action piece, like having to take action, having to take action. And it's consistent. Like you're never going to be done with it. This is consistent. So Going back to this idea of like, okay, so what would 10 times your desire for your romantic life be? What would that be? Hopefully you've thought of something now. But then writing, like, what are 10 times the actions that I could take? Like, we always have to put in so much more effort and energy to make significant shifts in our life than we expected. But when you get moving, you generate a sense of momentum and then it just sort of happens naturally. It becomes just part of your identity. And that's what we what we want to aim for. You know, I've got to where I am in my life, in my love life, my career, different areas, not because of like one big action I once took, but because I kept taking big action consistently. And then it didn't even feel like big action anymore. It just felt like that's who I am. That's what I do. Okay. 
So moving on to another thing he talks about, don't compare, get inspired. So a lot of the high achieving women that I've worked with uh, came to me absolutely crippled with comparison um, to, you know, the peers who, who may not have had the success they had, but they did have the relationship that they wanted. And I really related to that. So, you know, I might have been more successful in my career at one time than a friend, but they had the relationship or or it's been vice versa, you know. There's always going to be something that our friend has that we don't and that we want. But what you what Grant suggests is that, you know, you can look at the success others have created in their life as an indication that something is possible. It should be inspirational as opposed to bum you out. Um, so that makes me think of, uh, this is making me think of the Tony Robbins quote as well. So he said, if you want to be successful, find someone who has achieved the results you want, copy what they do, and you'll achieve the same results. And that's, yeah, Grant says that in a very similar way. He says, duplicate the thoughts and actions of successful people, and you too will become successful. You know, success leaves clues, which is what uh, Tony Robbins always says. Success leaves clues. So stop reinventing the wheel and copy what people do. So. Oh, that's my dog. Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Hey, babes. Um, so, okay. Hopefully, if you have had a chance, you have stopped. You've written down what the ten x version of your um of your uh, sorry, dogs really distracted me. Ten x version of your yeah, the what you want for your love life and um the ten x uh, actions to get there. So you might even write down ten specific actions you could take, or you might write down something that is just a really really big um like just a massive action that is 10 times more than like one action that was 10 times more than you kind of want to do so I'm going to share my own 10x goal for love and then I'm going to share a strategy that helped me and tons of high achieving women that I've worked with achieve it or at least be on the route to achieving it so hold on I'm just thinking of my notes here they're very very comprehensive oh okay yeah this is what I wanted to say so so when it comes to the vision of what you actually want, I used to just be like, I just want a boyfriend. I just want a boyfriend. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be the only one who's single. I just want a boyfriend. Then I realized over time that only not only was this quite selfish, it wasn't actually that inspiring to me. It was just a bit like, it just, it didn't like light me up. So this is when I came up with the, the concept of not just aiming for a partner, but aiming for a relationship that was, it was it was about impacting more than just me and the other person. It was about, I wanted to have a partner and a relationship that would be a positive impact on our loved ones, on the communities we were part of, and even on the world in whatever small way. And that has evolved over the years into being what I now refer to as the true power couple relationship. It's not about being beautiful, rich, and famous, although you can absolutely be those things as well. It is about like actually giving a shit <laughs> in a nutshell. It's about giving a shit. And you may, if you've not heard me talk about this before, that might seem like really weird. Like why, why would I need to have that as a goal in a relationship? But I look, you know, I look at my parents as an example, their relationship, when they started their recovery from addiction, 12-step recovery is very much about service. And when it became about service beyond service to themselves and giving back in different ways, you know, so, so in 12 steps and in recovery, they gave back, they gave back to our family, but they also have given back to charities and various different things over the years. And I've seen how much that has helped them grow and evolve in their relationship. And I've absolutely experienced that in my own relationship. So when me and Joe went traveling for six months around the world a few years ago, 
we went and helped out at um, a school that had been destroyed in the Nepalese earthquakes. And, you know, I was teaching the little kids Shakespeare. We did a little rock concert for them. Joe was helping literally build the school. We did this with my dad. And it was it was honestly, we were literally staying in a tin heart. And, you know, all the five-star travelling, I've also been very fortunate to experience the, the time that we spent in Nepal, in the mountains, in this tin heart and like helping build the school was the most special time, like up there with the most special time Joe and I have ever had because it wasn't just about us. It was so, so, so beautiful. And that really, you know, uh, impacted our wedding even because we said at our wedding, right, we want to raise some money for charity. And we also want people to have a really life-changing experience. Like, we don't want this to just be about us. We want people, yes, to have a great time and have fun, but actually to have a life-changing experience. So we bought in different elements. And one of those things was like a beautiful sound healing in this magical woods at Joe's parents' house. And and uh, we did actually have a few people coming up saying, your wedding changed my life. And that was, to be honest, that for me was like, like more special than... Then when people just said it was a great wedding and, you know, we're really happy for you, as lovely as that was, I I just, it, when when it's about more than you, it, is, it feels so much more rewarding. And I know that sounds so wanky, but it's true. Okay, so without further ado, let's move on to the three-phase proven strategy that gets high achievers remarkable relationships. So what do I mean by remarkable relationships? It's very, very much what it says in the tin. Literally, people comment in a positive way. So Joe and I, this is something we've got a lot over the years, especially when people have spent time with us, um, because they even say, like, even when you, like, bicker or have whatever, like, you 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 take the piss out of each other and then you move on, like, you don't stay in there and, you know, you're just, you're really fun to be around. And, like, we've had a lot of friends who are like, oh, I've always, um, you know, they they like to say they, they're our third wheel. We love having a third wheel. That sounds a bit kinky but not in that way. But, you know, say a friend's going through a breakup or her partner can't come, whatever, you know, we we... We, I never basically I never want to be a couple where you feel uncomfortable if you're on your own with us because I've been that third wheeler in so many relationships in the past and just felt really awkward. Anyway, that's kind of by the by, but but basically it's yeah you you want to uh, well I certainly I wanted to be in a relationship where people commented in a positive way about it because let's be honest and I don't think this is like a British thing predominantly but how many times do you hear your friends bitching about couples? I'm sure people have bitched past it. They definitely have. But, you know, that definitely feels like the more, way more common that people are sort of bitching or gossiping about how like unhealthy or shit your relationship is. So I want you to be in a relationship where people comment positively on like, you're a really great couple. You're really great to be around. You're really generous. You're really fun. You're really like, got a really like playful, light energy, whatever it, whatever. So Moving on to the three-phase strategy. So this is something I share in my book, Love is Coming. So the first phase is heal. So, you know, as most of us know, your relationship with you sets the benchmark for every single relationship in your life. And the degree to which you've healed from your past will dramatically impact how healthy and happy your love life is going to be in the present. So this is why healing really is the foundation of all great relationships. And a lot of the women that I coach have they tend to have done a degree of the healing work already on their relation on on themselves and on their maybe even on their love life sometimes they haven't actually looked at the healing in relation to their love life and that's where the work comes in but it it's very easy to stay stuck in the heal sort of phase and i see this a lot with people in the self development and wellness space but when you when you've done a significant look we're always doing the healing work there's always fucking healing work to do because we've been so conditioned and we've spent the majority of our life you know running on um very 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 destructive social pro programming 
So the healing work is it never ends, but there does come a phase where you're ready to sort of move your focus and main energy towards the next area of the romantic journey. And that is attract. Now, a lot of people want to go to attracts that, you know, that's very big to talk about manifestation, manifestation, but it's actually a hell of a lot deeper than that. So attracting a great relationship is not just a question of luck and it's not just a question of like manifesting it. It's about whether or not your identity is a match for it, which to be honest, that is really what manifestation is about at the deeper level. So in order to attract high quality potential partners, you need to understand the four missing pieces of the courtship puzzle. And this is something that I dive into really deep in my program, uh, Love for Leaders. So the, I'm going to tell you what the four missing pieces of the courtship puzzle are, but we're not going to have time to go into them now. So the first one is um, about magnetic energy. Our energy is really, really important and key. The second one is about powerful discernment. So this is about boundaries. This is about uh, getting really clear what whether something is healthy for us or not healthy for us, and then taking the appropriate action. Is a lot of red flag work. The next thing is about effective communication. Without a shadow of a doubt, this is where every single woman I have ever come across and myself very much included struggles the most because women have not had power over their voices for very long, certainly did not have the power to speak up to our husbands or partners and say, I don't like this. This doesn't work for me. So, you know, I think that, that like the feeling of sometimes feeling like you're going to die if you speak up. I don't know if anyone's experienced that. Um, but yeah, that can feel very, very real. So, so a very big body of the work I do, particularly in Love for Leaders, is around how to effectively communicate. And I had to learn it the hard way but my god does it make a difference and the final piece of the courtship puzzle is radical surrender this is something i talk about all the time not trying to control the dynamic not trying to control the other person um not trying to control the timeline of when you know your romantic life sort of unfolds and when you get the relationship and when you get married and all of those things we have to be yes we can we have a lot of power and we can make a lot of and we do have a lot of control but we do not have control over those things this is very much like the serenity prayer grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference okay last but not least commit so i would say that this is certainly for me but for most of the women i coach the hardest part this is what everyone wants i just want that committed amazing relationship i can't tell you how many clients have worked with me they've got the relationship and we you know so we stop working together and then a few months later they come running back and like i need to work with you now because you were right all my shit is coming up so this is the most challenging part is the transition from casual dating to committed relationship because this is where all our triggers and our resistance and our defenses really start to surface and um it's so crucial to be able to understand how to navigate those early relationship pitfalls and to know, yeah, how do how do we show up better? How do we show up more effectively? Implementing all of those things that we've learned in HEAL, that we've learned in the attract phase, but then all the new stuff that comes with um, the commit phase. So I just want to go back to my point earlier about leveraging our high achiever energy to learn and grow in, in our love life, but in a healthy way. So as I mentioned, that three-phase system, Heal, Attract, Commit, I've just shared with you is from my book, Love is Coming. But it also, uh, again, wanted to remind you that knowledge does not get results. Implementation gets results. So whilst I've had so many people read the book, and yes, they've said to me it was life-changing, I kind of feel like, you know, when you read a book and you're like, oh my God, those ideas have changed my life. But if you're not actually implementing them, they won't change it for very long. <laughs> I know that's been my own experience. So this is why 
uh, I decided to completely revolutionize my program, Love for Leaders, which is now the only way to work with me. So we've extended it. So it's now 12 months long. And the reason for this is I've experimented with working with women over the last God decade, actually, uh, for different lengths of time. And so I worked with many women for eight weeks or 12 weeks, and they did wind up in the relationship. But as I said, they would end up coming back to me because they would struggle with the navigation of that relationship. So it doesn't end when you get the relationship. In many ways, that's where it starts. You know, as I always say, new level, new devil. So I wanted to give a longer period of time for women to get support because I really not just believe I fucking well know slow and steady wins the race when it comes to romance and, and most things in life so I wanted to be able to give ongoing support you get support and coaching group coaching with me every single week for 12 months as I take you through the journey of the three stages. And this program is very much a program of implementation. You can watch all the YouTube videos, you can read all the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, but nothing is going to change in your love life. Not for, you know, not for the sustainable, it won't be sustainable unless you learn how to actually show up differently and do so consistently. So the way that we've restructured Love for Leaders is to, it's all about accountability. There is nowhere to run and hide. I'm going to be that like, you know, naughty, but not naughty, but nice. That sounds a bit pornographic. I don't mean naughty, but nice. I mean, you know, that quite like direct, direct and firm, but very loving going to say head headmistress but I, I've yet to meet a headmistress who was who was those things but you get the idea like I'm going to call you out on your bullshit so the the person that is right for this like that not everyone is right for this I'm just going to be really blunt and upfront like not everyone is right for this it's going to have the energy um of a mastermind we've already had eight women join but um we officially kick off the new live round this April. But whenever you're listening to this, just go and check out the page that is in the show notes because you will be able to join at different points. It just, you won't get as much of a live experience. It will all make sense when you look at the enrollment page, the information page. Okay, so yeah, as I said, if you're interested, click the links below, uh, the, the link in the show notes. It's got all of the information. It's got tons and tons and tons of testimonials from women who've completely transformed their love life you know, we've had clients who have been single for 15 years now living with their partner in the happiest, healthiest relationship of their life. We've had women who've never had a relationship, who are now married with kids, you name it, all of the testimonials are on there. So I know that this process works, but I've just made it. I'm like, I want it to work for everyone. And the only way that I can guarantee that is if it's about accountability and you actually have to do the work and I'm going to like hold you to it. So yeah, if what you read on that page and what you've heard so far in this podcast episode really strikes a chord, then I urge you to listen to that intuitive guidance. And on that page, you can book a complimentary chemistry call via one of the links. This is going to be held with either myself or a member of my team. And it's going to clarify whether this program is going to work for you or not. And it is, yeah, as I said, like, it's, it may well not be, and I will be really honest and upfront because I really, as a high achiever, I'm going to sound like a right bitch here, but, you know, in terms of my own career, like I want to get people results. I don't, you know, and if I've not got that before for someone, it's because it wasn't a right fit and I have learned the hard way. I'm not for everyone and my work isn't for everyone, but if it is for you, I know it will work for you and, and the testimonials are kind of proof of that. So if you do join us in the program, and of course you fully commit to the process because nothing works unless we do. I guarantee that in just 12 months time, you will be in the healthiest, most magnetic and desirable romantic partner that you can possibly be. So even if you are not in that relationship, you are going to be so, so fucking close to it. Um, but the majority of people, it's been it's been six to 12 months. If the ones who have really shown up and done the work and have been the right fit for me and my work, the, uh, the data has shown it's generally between six and 12 months from beginning the process. 
Either way, I promise that regardless of whether or not you do join Love for Leaders, you will walk away from the chemistry call with so much more clarity around what is blocking you from the healthy, exciting, meaningful relationship that I know you deserve. Uh, because I really, you know, even if you're not a fit, I want you to get value from that conversation. I don't want it to feel like a waste of either of our time because it is free. So I want you to at least go, that was really helpful. Even if I'm not joining the program, that was really fucking helpful. Um, and yeah, that makes me feel good, quite frankly. So my darlings, that is it. Sorry, it's been a bit rambly and all over the place. Haven't done one of these for quite a long time, as I mentioned earlier. So do go and check out the links in the show notes uh, for more info on Love for Leaders. I cannot wait to connect with you in a chemistry call very, very soon. And I am wishing you the most wonderful rest of your day. Big love. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out. Do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.